And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right, all right. Easter people, that's our new series we're kicking off today. My name's Abigail. If I haven't yet had the pleasure of meeting you, I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Culture Church, and I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. You're in the right place. Uh, I believe God's going to speak to us through his word this morning. Um, And we are starting a new series titled Easter People. Have you guys ever noticed that there are a lot of people surrounding the Easter story? There's a lot of really interesting characters in the Bible surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. And so over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to look at three different individuals, three different Easter people who are significant to the story of Jesus. And I'm really excited about it. It was hard to narrow it down, but we chose three. And today uh, we are going to talk about Mary. Uh, Mary. And there's a lot of different Marys in the Bible. (laughs) It reminds me a little bit of this meme, this Spider-Man meme right here, um, where they're all like pointing at each other and they're like, which one are you? There's a lot of different Marys um, in one spot in scripture. Uh, There's the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene. And then there's one titled the other Mary. And can you imagine that you have a really popular name? There's like, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and then there's the other one. Like, what a bummer for the other one. Wow. Uh, But today we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. She is one of the Easter people that we get to talk about today. And um, I love this quote uh, by St. Augustine. He said, we are an Easter people and alleluia is our hymn of praise. And so I'm excited just to dive in because um, I believe that we'll be able to see ourselves as Easter people as well, that we are a part of the resurrection story because when Jesus came, he changed everything. And um, Mary got to have kind of a front row seat. And so we're going to look at her encounter. Uh, But first, a little bit of background about Mary Magdalene. Because there are so many Marys. There's actually six different Marys mentioned in the New Testament. Um, So it was one of the most popular girl names at that time. And Magdalene was actually not her last name. You might think it was her last name. It was not. Um, In the culture of that day, you were known oftentimes by where you were from. Like you hear a lot of times Jesus of Nazareth. She's Mary of Magdala. But she became known probably because her name was so popular as Mary Magdalene. She was known by where she was from. Um, And Mary Magdalene is significant. She's actually mentioned in all four Gospels. And so I think that is worth noting that she uh, was recorded in all four. And so I think she's significant to us today as we look at her. And so I want to dive first into where we first meet Mary in Scripture. And so we first meet her in Luke chapter 8. She is found here traveling around with Jesus and the disciples along with other women who had been healed. And so we learn a little bit about her history here. It says in 8 chapter 1, uh, chapter 8 verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured, cured of evil spirits and diseases. And here's our girl, girl Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out of. 
Oh, man, I just want to start right here. Before we even get to the Easter story, her journey to that moment um, starts here in Luke chapter 8. And so I thought it would be meaningful for us to see Mary um, as she's introduced in her rock bottom moment, she met Jesus needing deliverance from not one, not two, but seven demons. And it's, it's noted here in scripture, and so it's meaningful to us. Uh, her being possessed by demons means she probably was a tormented woman uh, before she met Jesus. She uh, was probably humiliated and filled with shame. But she was delivered by Jesus, and in that moment, the story of her life changed. And, you know, sometimes I think when we picture maybe Mary Magdalene or others who um, had been possessed by demons in Scripture, I think we sometimes assume some things about them, like maybe they were living a certain type of lifestyle, or maybe they were in poverty or in the streets. But in fact, Mary was very well off. She was probably a woman of means. Uh, Magdala, where she was from, was a few miles away from Capernaum, and it was a wealthy, affluent city. Um, their primary export and primary contribution to the economy was dyes and textiles, and so it was like the garment district. She's from a nice area. Um, this would be like if you wanted a new outfit, you'd cruise by Magdala. Like Mary Magdala, she became known for her area. It would be like uh, it'd be like cruising Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. Like, that was where she was from. Uh, she was actually called Mary the Magdalene in many of the different Gospels because she became synonymous with where she was from. And so I think that's worth noting because sometimes we have an assumption about who she is and where she came from, but she was a woman of means. And um, I just think that's a huge takeaway from, for us, like, because when you think of someone who has seven demons, you think of someone who might be struggling in poverty. You might not be thinking of someone who's in a penthouse. But here's our takeaway. Both need Jesus. Like, both need freedom. Both need an encounter with the Lord. Jesus came for each and every one, from the poverty to the penthouse, from, from poverty to wealth. Like, Jesus came for each and every one of us to set us free. Um, and so Mary here is in dire need, needing deliverance. She can't find help anywhere else. Jesus is her last resort, and she gets set free. And I think that's super powerful for us as we look at her life. And so she might have everything in the world. She needed Jesus. She went from possessed by demons to changed in Jesus. She went from being a victim to a victor. And so she was moved and transformed in that moment. And we keep reading about um, her and those she was with later on in Luke 8, chapter 3. Uh, we find that she's with Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, probably also a wealthy woman. And then Susanna and many others. Can everybody say many others? Many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Um, I think that's significant. Essentially, it's saying there's Jesus and the 12, which we hear about all the time. But then there's these women who are also supporting Jesus by their own means. And many others are helping. 
um, Mary is now had a life transformation and is using her resources to invest in the kingdom of God, to invest in furthering God's kingdom. I just think it's powerful that she went from bondage to freedom, and it changed everything. It changed how she lived. It changed her story because she was set free. Um, it's a moment that changed everything. And um, she had a moment where her eyes were open, and I just I was thinking about, like, a moment for me that changed everything. Uh, maybe you have a moment that changed everything. One of those moments for me was when I tried a nothing bunt cake. Have you guys, have you, my eyes were open and I was set free. Cake was good before, but when I tried a nothing bunt cake, did you guys know what I'm talking about, those cakes? You cannot experience cake the same after that. It's a life-transforming moment. Like, it is good. You cannot go back to regular cake. It's like eating cake in color. Now I don't eat other cake. It's not worth the calories. Like, just give me the good stuff. And so for Mary, it was a moment that just changed everything for her. She saw the world in color, and her life was changed. She changed the way she lived. She left everything, was traveling around with Jesus, supporting his ministry, funding his ministry, and was probably with him for about two to three years all the way up to the cross. Um, she stayed faithful to Jesus. And so we kind of are going to fast forward now to where we find Mary. And she was a courageous woman to even be at the cross. We know that she was there. Um, and we don't have time to read the scripture here, but just, just listen carefully. Like the cross was no place for a woman to be. It would have been an absolutely horrific sight. No place for a man to be either. The torture and the experience, the trauma of witnessing it would have been unbearable. Um, but here we have Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And Mary Magdalene, our girl, we're talking about. And so the women are there. We see that they're there at the cross. They're mourning and witnessing the death of Jesus. And where are the men? Like, where are they? Uh, we know John comes a little bit later, but a lot of the men are actually fearful for their lives in this moment because Jesus was being taken to be crucified, and the disciples were worried that they would be taken as well. And so women in that day could kind of fly under the radar and kind of sneak in because because um, women and men were viewed very differently in that time. And so it's beautiful and brave that they did go all the way to the cross. And um, there they are at the cross. And I believe, you know, it's just picturing this moment. Like they could probably hear the low moans of his suffering and see the blood dripping from his wounds. And hear, as Jesus whispered, a commitment to uh, give his mother over to the apostle John, who was also there. And then everybody goes home, and Jesus dies. And who stays with Jesus but Mary Magdalene? She stays the whole time. She wants to be there to see where Jesus is laid. She is persistent and faithful to stay, uh, risking probably her life and also her willingness to stay faithful despite the horrific scene that she just experienced, despite the danger and probably the trauma. Like, she's going to have some major PTSD. She's going to need some counseling after seeing the, the teacher, her rabbi, the one she loved, go through something so horrific. And so Mary Magdalene is the last at the cross, and then we find her first at the tomb. 
first at the tomb. We see in Mark chapter 16, verse 1, it says, When the Sabbath, Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. She's witnessing this moment that changed everything. She thinks she's going to go see a tomb that's been covered where Jesus has been laid. But she gets there and she has an angel encounter. And the angel says, don't be alarmed. He's not here. He's risen. And this moment right here is everything for us as Easter people and for her. It is the linchpin to our salvation. It's the cornerstone of our faith. This is the hope that we go to the grave with. This is the victory that we find in Jesus. This is the hope that brings us through the valley of the shadow of death. Like Christ rose from the dead, a display of power, a spectacle of the enemy who thought he could take us to the grave. He thought he could drag us into hell with him. But Christ grabbed us from the jaws of death, grabbed us from our sins, delivered us in this moment. Like, I'm ready for Easter Sunday. Can we celebrate now? Like, this changed everything. And it's why we celebrate, because without it, we're in vain. Without it, we believe in vain. Without it, without this moment, we hope in vain. Without it, we trust God in vain, because it's Christ's victory over death that can give us hope, no matter what we face in this life. And our Mary Magdalene got a front row seat to this moment. Um, And you might think, wow, lucky Mary. Like, what a coincidence that she got to be there. Like, it's, it's amazing that she got to be there, like, instead of anyone else, all these amazing characters that we find in the story. Um, but I, I would argue that it was not a fluke thing, not luck, not an accident that Mary was there. I believe that it was actually a story and a testimony of the faithfulness of her life, a continuation of her faithful life from the moment she got freedom up until where we find her here experiencing the empty tomb was not an accident. Um, Mary was found hanging outside the tomb, her faithfulness causing her to wake up while it was still dark, her faithfulness to stay committed to God. It stuck out to me that she even stayed faithful to keep Sabbath the day after Jesus died. She didn't go to the tomb then, she waited because that was uh, what God was asking them to do in that time, to keep Sabbath and wait. And give that day to the Lord. So she came as soon as she could while it was still dark and stayed faithful to God. And I believe it's her faithfulness um, that is the reason why she finds herself here. And that's what we all want to write. Like we want to be used by God. Like we want to be people who are faithful and that will show up. We want a life oftentimes marked by doing something great like Mary Um, I think so often, though, it's the simple yeses of our life that brings us to this, like, grand encounter with an angel. It's the, the little moments where Mary kept saying yes to Jesus, kept following Jesus that brought her to this moment. And that's a challenge for each and every one of us today. 
Like we might be wanting that amazing angel encounter, but it's the small faithfulness, the, the yeses of our everyday life that brings us to this kind of encounter. And we see Mary, a woman of faithfulness, and it inspires me. Uh, we've been in ministry for 10 or 11 years, and um, our goal is never to plant a church. Like, our, my goal is never to be a pastor or be on a stage. I have just kept saying yes to Jesus. Like, from when we started till now and until I die, I will just keep saying yes to Jesus. My goal is not the grandiose, like, angel encounter. My goal is faithfulness to Jesus. Like, that's what I'm here for. And Mary did that. Like, she was faithful her whole life saying yes to Jesus, following him, sacrificing for him. And it's a challenge to me. I think oftentimes, even in our culture, like we might want the stage or we want influence. We want to do something great and grandiose. And that's not all bad. But the way to get there is faithful yeses. The way to get there is to say yes to Jesus when he asks. And that's what Mary did. That's what Mary did. And um, it's, it's a great leadership it's a great leadership takeaway. Like, she's a leader. Leaders do consistently what others do occasionally. Another pastor said it that way. Leaders do consistently what others do occasionally. I think many people think that we rise to our goal. Like, my goal is this. Uh, but actually, we fall to our habits. And so what habits do you have in place? What yeses are you saying that will bring you to the place of doing something great for God? Um, I think that it's a lifestyle instead of a goal. And that's what Mary had. And we have so much to learn from her. She's incredible. And so we just, met, we just read in Mark's account of the res resurrection. You can actually read about Mary in all four Gospels, like I said. And I encourage you to do that. I can't dive into them all today. But it is really impactful to like lay them next to each other and see her life and the different accounts. Uh, super, super interesting. They all have different details. Um, Mark's account that we just read um, gave, um, he wrote that we know with Peter's help. And so Peter was dictating a lot of it with Mark, and he's super rapid fire. Like, Peter's like, a lot of people call Mark the and then gospel because everything is like, and then this, and then we went th to this, and then we did this, and then we did this. And so he's like perfect. Mark is the perfect gospel for the generation with a 14-second attention span. Like, Mark's our guy for that. It's very action-packed. Um, but not in John. John was poetic. He was long-winded. John was earthy. Um, John had a way with words, which that's where we're going. Um, John went away on a personal retreat in the cabin to write his gospel. I'm just kidding. He was imprisoned on an island. Um, but he, he wrote it and has a way with words. And so Mary's perspective is included in a little more detail in John. So that's what I want to read right now in chapter 20, uh, verse 11, if you have your Bible. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And so here we get more detail, and I think it's worth pointing out that the first time she, 
shows up in the Bible. She was in need of an exorcism. She was in need of deliverance from demons. And now here she's having an angel encounter. Like she goes from demons to angels. Like that's a big deal in a short amount of time. Her life has taken a turn. And so Mary's here and she's getting to see the empty tomb. She's having an angel encounter. But she is at the tomb weeping. And we know she went and told some of the disciples that the tomb was empty after she and the girls first discovered it early in the morning. And, and John came and Peter came. I can't get into all of that. But she's back here now. And she's still weeping. Because where else is she going to go, right? Like her Jesus, her rabbi, her teacher, the one she devoted her life to, the one that set her free, the one that changed everything, like died and the tomb is empty, and she's heartbroken because not only did she see him die, now she can't find his body. And in that culture, it was a big deal. The burial process was significant and important, and she wanted to bury him properly. She wanted um, things to go right. And so we find her here weeping out of her grief and sorrow, and um, Jesus comes on the scene, and I've always wondered why Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. She sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize Jesus. And I've, I've thought about it a lot this week because she clearly knew Jesus so well. Like, she's been traveling with him. She's intimately, like, she's a friend of Jesus. So why does she not recognize Jesus? I have a few different theories. Um, for one, she may have been looking for the Good Friday Jesus, the one who was tortured and flesh torn and she that was her last the last time she saw him like that's what he looked like so she may have been looking for that kind of jesus um, or she may have been tears in her eyes like swollen shut like couldn't see him or maybe it was dark or maybe more likely jesus was probably deliberately concealing himself from her the way that he did to two of his disciples later on in luke 24. And so I'm just like, why, why doesn't she recognize him instantly? But it goes on to say in verse 15, he asks her, which this is Jesus, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? It really hit me that it's Easter and Mary's crying, but she doesn't realize that it's Easter. Like she is in the moment where History changed forever, this moment that changed everything for her and everything for us. But she doesn't know. She doesn't realize. She's crying, and it's Easter. And Jesus comes in this moment with grace and love and asks her a question. Jesus is the master of asking questions. He says, why are you crying? And he knows why she's crying. He knows who she's looking for. But Jesus did not rebuke her. He tenderly communicated with her. And he gives her a new perspective. In verse 15, it says, Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. As soon as Jesus used her name, she recognized him. It reminds me of John 10.3 that says, His sheep hear his voice and he calls them by name. Something so powerful in that moment where Jesus just says her name. Her eyes are opened and she recognizes him for who he is. He's not a gardener. He is Jesus, the one that she loves. And she is 
full of joy and probably shock. It says in verse 17, Jesus says, Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things for her or to her. So now we have more perspective on the encounter that Mary had with Jesus. It was no fluke, no random luck that she encountered him. I believe God chose her to be the one to, first of all, see him first and then go and tell everyone uh, that he is risen, that she saw the man who died, a miracle in the making, a historical moment. She got to have the front row seat and was able to share the message of the resurrection, the message of hope to anybody that would need it. Jesus says, go tell my brothers, go tell the disciples. I love that Jesus chose her. I think it's significant and beautiful that he chose a woman Uh, A woman in that day, their word was not respected, and so to choose a woman to go share a word, one of the greatest news in history, it's significant that he chose Mary. It's beautiful. She got to be the one to first tell the whole world, long before Billy Graham, long before D.L. Moody, long before any preacher ever stood up, before the Apostle Paul wrote it into the epistles, she got to be the one to say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And it's beautiful and powerful. And um, I love this encounter that she had with Jesus. I think there are so many takeaways uh, that we can learn from this moment where she's meeting Jesus for the first time since he passed away. And I have five takeaways that I wanted to share with you um, about her encounter, just as we kind of wrap up, just five different things that I noticed about the encounter that she had with the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, I'm going to just go through these. The first that I see in her posture with Jesus is that she's present. Mary is present. Not only in this moment, but she just was a woman who kept showing up. Like, she showed up. She was there. Her life story is about showing up. She shows up 14 times in Scripture, all the way from demons to angels, from the cross to the tomb. She stays close to Jesus. And if we wanted to encounter Jesus, like, if we want to be people who know Jesus intimately, we need to show up. We need to be there. We need to encounter Jesus by coming close, being close to his feet, getting to know him, making the choice to let him into our lives and also be led by him. To be devoted followers of Jesus, we need to show up. How often has Jesus been there, but I haven't seen him because I'm not present with him? How often have I missed Jesus because I'm not present, because I'm not showing up? to the table that he set before me. It says in scripture, he prepares a table before us in the presence of his enemies. He invites us in to show up. And so it's beautiful how present she is in every moment. Like despite her despair at the cross, despite her weeping at the tomb, she's there, she's present, she's showing up. And so Mary is present, that's the first takeaway. The second is that Mary is mourning. Mary is mourning, and I think we have a lot to learn from the Jewish people. Like, they mourn really well. They lament and mourn. 
we know that she wept at the devastating loss. And so it's Easter and she's weeping and mourning. And I just think we have something to learn from her that there's room for Easter people to be mourning. Like even when we on this side know the end of the story, there's room for fullness of emotion. Like Jesus met her knowing full well the miracle that just took place. He met her in her emotion and in her mourning and asked questions and was gentle with, with her. And I think that's so, so beautiful that there's just room for fullness of emotion. Um, Jesus met her there, but he doesn't leave her there. Jesus opened her eyes and offered her perspective that changed her weeping into joy and gladness. And that's just the invitation for us all this Easter season. Like, maybe Easter this year isn't feeling like all joy and gladness. Maybe there's a lot going on in your life, and there's weeping and mourning. The beautiful thing that Jesus does is he asks questions, and he invites us in. He meets us with grace. But he doesn't leave us there. He gives us a new perspective, gives us a hope for the future. Like we can be Easter people with fullness of emotion and also allow Jesus to change and transform us. We can allow him into the deepest parts of our heart and say, Jesus, see me fully and invite me to something more. Invite me into hope. And that's who Jesus is. It's a beautiful continuation of the fullness of her grief that she's experiencing. But then he opens her eyes and gives her perspective. And so we, on this side of Easter, as Easter people, on this side of the resurrection, get to see our mourning and our grief on this earth through a different lens. Through the lens of the tomb, through the empty tomb, the resurrection. And so Jesus changed everything in that moment for us and for Mary. And so I think that's significant to us today. And so the third one is Mary is determined. Mary is determined. She didn't give up. Mary's got some grit. I love that about her. She's like, I'm going to the tomb early in the morning while it's still dark. I mean, maybe that's just your takeaway this morning. Like, I got to get up early and meet with Jesus. Like, that's hard for me. Before the sun comes up, she's up. Like, maybe that's just the thing that you need to write down. Like, I need to meet with Jesus and I need to get up early. I need to set my alarm. I want to get up before the sun's up because Jesus is waiting. So she... Also, I don't know if you noticed, she was trying to get his body back so that she could properly bury him. She's asking everyone, where'd you put him? Where's his body? Like, that tells me she's got some grit. Like, what's she planning on doing when she finds his body? Like, girl, she's going to, like, lift him up? Um, I read to this week that the Jewish people wrapped and embalmed their dead in half of the body weight in spices. Okay, so let's assume Jesus is, like, 150 pounds. We're talking like 225 pounds. My girl is going to like find Jesus and bring him back to the tomb. Like she's like, oh, I got nails. I'm from, I'm from Magdala. I'm married from Magdala. And she's like, Joanna, you got your fake eyelashes. Like to get some wind movement here. Like we're getting Jesus. Like she's got grit. She's determined. She's like, I'm going to make this happen. I love that kind of that mama bear comes out. Like we're going to find Jesus. Where'd you put him? Let me have him. Him. And she's got grit. She was determined to found, find Jesus. And I think we could use some of that same grit, some of that same determination. Like, 
nothing's gonna get in the way of me finding Jesus. Like nothing's gonna stop me. Not voices in my head, not the distractions of this world, not lies from the enemy, not shame from my past. Like she's set free and she's like, let me at Jesus. And I think we need a little bit of that in our church. Like nothing's gonna get in the way of me encountering Jesus. Like nothing's gonna stop me. I'm gonna wake up early in the morning. I'm gonna say, Jesus, I need you. I'll look everywhere to find him because listen, she knows who he is. She knows her Jesus, her Rabboni, she knows. And so she's looking for Jesus, she's determined. And we need some of that determination as well. And then Mary is devoted. Mary's devoted, her true affection and devotion is clear. She loves Jesus. The angel asks why is she crying? And Mary says, they have taken away my Lord, not the Lord, my Lord. And I wonder who Jesus is to you this morning. I think it's the most important question you could ever answer. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your Lord? Is he my Lord? That possessive pronoun has the capacity to change everything for you and for me. When he's your Lord, you know the sound of his voice. We're told in Mark's account that when Mary finally realizes it's Jesus, that she throws herself at his feet and worships him because she loves him, because he's her Lord. Who is Jesus to you? And then Mary's sent. Mary is sent. That's my final point. She gets the greatest mission from Jesus to get the opportunity to go and tell the world that Jesus is alive. She gets to be the one to announce him. She gets the mission of her life straight from Jesus to tell the world that he's alive. She knew that not everyone would believe her. She knew who she was, that she was a woman and a woman woman's word was not believed. The Bible even says when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. She knew that, but she carried out her mission regardless, with courage, with bravery, knowing that she's on mission from Jesus and her faithfulness is shown in how she's sent. I think so often that's our own hangup, like when we feel sent by God to share with someone, maybe our neighbor or coworker, we get that voice in our head like, they're not gonna listen to me or they're not gonna believe or what will they say, what will they think? And Mary silenced those voices and she was sent and she went and she shared with confidence. And so we, as Easter people, get to also accept the invitation to take our place with Mary Magdalene at the empty tomb. Let us be the ones to help our savior. Let us be the ones to go and tell my brothers and sisters. Let us be the ones who get to say, he's not here, he's raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. Like we get to be people who are on mission and who are sent full of bravery and courage, not listening to the voices in our, in our head 
or the voices from our culture that say they won't believe you. Because listen, the message of Jesus is not celebrated in our culture today. The message of Jesus is not accepted everywhere. And so you're gonna need a little bit of grit and determination like Mary. You're gonna need to know you have a mission from God. You're gonna need to hear his voice so that you can be confident to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to be sent and say, listen, Jesus is alive. The hope that I have is not found from me. It's because of Jesus. It's because the the grave is empty because he conquered the grave. He paid it all on the cross for you and for me. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Jesus chose her to be the one that, to announce that he is alive. From demon-possessed to angel encounter, proclaiming the Lord. And I just think that is significant for us. Like no matter what your past, no matter what demons have possessed you, no matter what shame you carry, like you get to enter into this invitation to be in relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I've never decided to follow Jesus. I don't know who Jesus is to me. He's not my friend. He's not my Lord yet. And so I just want to extend the invitation to you. If that's you and you're here this morning and you're like, who is Jesus to me? And you're not sure. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to make Jesus the savior of your life, to choose him, to admit that you have fallen short, but to say, I'm gonna choose to follow Jesus. I'm gonna repent of my sin and my shame. I'm gonna let it go and lay it down at the cross because he paid for it all. And I'm gonna choose to follow him this morning. And so if that's you, I wanna pray with you right now. And for everyone else in the room, I'm gonna pray for you that you would hear a word from God this morning, that you would be challenged by the life of Mary, that you'd say, I'm gonna continue on in the ministry that Mary had to go and tell the world that Jesus is who he said he is, that Jesus is alive. I'm gonna be determined, full of grit, and Jesus is gonna be my Lord. I'm gonna be faithful with my yeses. And maybe that's for you this morning. I'm just gonna be faithful to Jesus with my yeses like Mary. I'm gonna keep saying yes to Jesus. And so if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time this morning, or if you just need to say yes to Jesus today, will you stand up? That's all of us. We're all gonna stand. We're all gonna say yes to Jesus. Let's pray together. Some of you maybe need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. So I'm gonna pray for you. Jesus, God, we thank you that you rose up out of that grave, that you conquered death so that we could have relationship with you. And so, God, I pray right now for any person in this room who needs to say yes to you for the first time. Jesus, we th- we're thankful that you are ready, arms wide open, that people can lay down their shame, repent of their sin, and turn to you in a moment. And so, God, we pray right now for that person that they'd say yes to Jesus and just say, God, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I choose right now in this moment to say yes to you in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for each and every person in this room who already has said yes to you, but needs to say yes again. God, maybe right now you're speaking to someone who they just need to go back to the last thing that you told them to do and say yes. Or maybe God, you're calling someone in this room to be faithful in their yeses, to not neglect the small things, to be faithful with the everyday life. God, would you challenge us to be people like Mary, 
who showed up and who was faithful, who came, who woke up early to meet with Jesus, who spent her whole life after she encountered him all on Jesus. So God, we're thankful that you meet us there and that you are excited about our yeses. And so Father, would we be people of faith like Mary? And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Everybody say amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com. We hope you have a great week.